this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. We should start introducing each other. I almost wanted to be like, and this is Claire. And that's Joy over there. How's it going? Um, I feel like though, if we introduce each other, people sometimes are already confused about which of us is which. And I just don't want to add to the confusion. (laughs) That's really true. It really surprises me when people do that. It kind of makes me feel good because I'm like, oh, you only know us through the podcast. Like you don't follow us on social, anything like that. So I kind of think it's fun. Way to only know our voices. And then they see a picture of us and they're like, I remember somebody met us and they were like, this is tripping me out. I had your voices swapped. I used to listen to a podcast called Rana and Beverly, and they were these two old Jewish women comedians, and they're hilarious. I mean, this was old, old, old school, 2012, maybe. And they're really funny, but they both old, have- Old, old school, eight years old, ago. Old, old, old school, yeah. In the podcast realm. Yeah old and they both had each of them had very different voices like you and me like Mm. our voices are very different it shook me because when i saw a video of them and their voices i was like whoa i had it wrong the whole time it really flipped (laughs) me out so i kind of get it (laughs) like the whole time i was just like because one has a very very deep voice and one has more of like a very high pitched and yeah like the voice coming out of the, the body was like so bizarre to me but yeah it's really it's really I funny. know. Has podcasting made it easier for you to hear your own voice? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. I have far. no issue hearing my voice anymore. And I, it's either. funny when people will be like on the show or maybe they'll be on someone else's show and they're like, oh, I hate the sound of my voice. It bugs me. I don't. I mean, I don't and when I edit these, I have to listen. Yeah. So yeah, I listen to our podcast episode. I probably re-listen to like half our episodes. I've been listening to them more since lockdown because I like miss my friends, aka right. you and my. I miss seeing people. Yeah. I miss hearing my own voice, ironically. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it does never really. But I will say the way I sound in my head has changed. And I think that might be more of it is that like, I think I hear more of like my true voice now. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't freak me out as much when I hear it. Because I think a lot of people, the voice of themselves that they hear in their head <laughs> is very different. <laughs> from what their voice actually yes. sounds like yeah, or seems really very different. It's so mm-hmm. funny. Isn't it weird that like the point of view or life that we live coming from our own inside our own brains? Oh it's, yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's very weird. We could go down a big rabbit hole. With that. Super, <laughs> super big rabbit hole. <laughs> what is the meaning of life? <laughs> what is the meaning of life? Okay. So let's follow up from last week. Your little bit of your discussion about your thyroid. Cause you got some more information about that just right before we hit record. Just right before we hit record. Yeah. Like this is hot off the press. Yeah. Well, and you also had a great appointment with a naturopathic doctor. And so let's yeah. hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So I just got the results lit- literally about a half hour ago and uh, I have Graves disease, which is kind of what I was expecting and everything mm-hmm. that I've been reading reading about uh, hyperthyroidism says that 90 like 98% of hyperthyroidism is from Graves disease and so that just means like all of my thyroid is is overactive so what is what is Graves disease Graves disease your entire thyroid is overactive they just call it Graves disease because I can't remember who was let me look up right the, the first person to get it the first per yes exactly Graves. so it's very common more than 3 million US cases per year also known as toxic diffuse goiter 
is an autoimmune disease. That if, like all of these names, first of all, the first thing that I texted to Jess and Claire, I was like, can we call it something different? Yes. Because like, I don't want to, I don't want to call it great. I just disease. love the word goiter so much. I know goiter. Goiter. Um, toxic diffuse goiter that affects the thyroid. It frequently results in and is the most common cause of hyperthyroidism. So it's an enlarged thyroid, which it's mm. funny because when I got the scan today, I got it scanned at, at the, um, at the clinic and the radiology tech was, it was just like me and him in the lab. There was like no one else in there. It was kind of bizarre. And I was like, can I look at the pictures? I'm like very curious to see what, what is going on with me. And he's like, yeah, sure. So every, like the whole thing is you have to take pictures. They inject you with radioactive iodine, which sounds frightening. They are observing how much iodine, like the uptake of iodine in your thyroid. So they're measuring it if just like part of it is taking it, consuming it very fast, or if all of it's consuming it very fast. And you guys, I'm not using medical terms. You guys know what I'm talking about when I say consume. It's like using it, right? And so he looked at it. He's like, yeah, it looks like it's it's bigger than usual. But I could tell he just like didn't want to tell me anything because he's not the radiologist. He's just like doing this. Right. He can't technically read it. Right. But I'm like looking at it on the picture. I'm like, it kind of looks big compared to what I've been like pictures I've been looking at. But yeah, so it's enlarged. Like, based on my limited knowledge of what a thyroid is based, supposed to look like, this looks right. a little big. This looks a little big. I mean, just based on like truly the pictures that you see and like what I had was it looked looked like a big butterfly, which is supposed to be a smaller butterfly. <laughs> so I was doing when you t- when you text us and said, OK, I have graves. I was like, OK, yeah. I'm, I'm going to need to figure out what this is. Sounds like it has autoimmune roots. Yes. Basically just causes your body to attack your thyroid. Yes. And in defense, your thyroid just like ramps up the production of all the thyroid hormones. Exactly. Exactly. But now I want to look at why it's called that. <laughs> it is named after Robert Graves, an Irish physician who described this form of hyperthyroidism about 150 years ago. 150 years ago. Man, guys, I'm a Google ninja. I tell you what. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Irish physician. Yes. So. So. He couldn't have had a more cheerful name. Come on. So yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things where it can cause serious issues if you don't treat it. So obviously I'm going to be treating it and doing things for it. So I went to a naturopath this weekend recommended by one of my friends. And it's just kind of funny because I knew about her years ago. My friend told me that she was going to see her and I just kind of kept it in my back pocket, not thinking like, I don't really have a need to see a naturopath, but okay. So when this came up, I was like, Hey, what's that? girl's name again. So I went to see her on Sunday. She spent two hours with Scott and I, and she requested that Scott go with me. Wow. Um, I, yeah. I think because when you're doing something, if you're doing a naturopathic treatment plan, right. it really requires you to be very dedicated. It's not like... It's like truly every aspect of your life. 100%. Yeah. So she's legit. And she's like, I'm not going to take you as a patient if you're not going to commit to all the things that I want you to do. Not in like a bitchy way, but just more of, <laughs> I want to see what your home life is. Like, yeah. I want to know what your partner's like. I want to know like your whole life to know like, if you go home and someone's like, mm, yeah, you're seeing a naturopath. Like, yeah, that's really funny. You know, she doesn't want you... To totally. be set up to fail because insurance doesn't cover this. So I, it's like very much an out-of-pocket expense that you want to be committed to it. And she wants to make sure that, sure that she's a good fit. So she made me, before I even knew that this was officially Graves' disease, she, for the first time, like I've, since I got this diagnosis, or at least, you know, the hyper, the overactive thyroid, she made me feel really hopeful. She was basically saying, I've seen this a million times mm-hmm. and you're not a special snowflake. Like, because I kept telling her, well, what if I'm the one person you can't help? Like, 
like, yeah, she, you know what I mean? Like I, I that's like the doubt that I have is like, what if I'm the special snowflake that like, you can't help me. And she just like graciously was like, I've helped plenty of women with this before. And um, she kind of read my labs and noticed that there was a lot of things off with my liver mm. and my cholesterol. So it turns out having a really low cholesterol is really, really bad for you, which what mine is. And so she's got like a bunch of different things that she's going to work on with me. And I don't know like the whole plan yet. Cause I mean, I just barely met with her and I'm going to see her next week for like our official start of this uh, plan. But I mean, she's great. She's very communicative. Like she responds really fast. Like, I mean, once I kind of like set things up with her and agreed to do this treatment for six months, she had me on this thyroid tincture like right away. She's like, let's get this started. She took some more blood tests. I'm getting like a hormone panel. I'm getting all the food. Like if I have any reactions to food panel, like you name it, she's looking at the consistency of my blood of like what it actually looks like. So I'll keep you guys posted. I really don't have any tie to one method of treatment or another, but I immediately knew that this just didn't pop up out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like there had to be more to this than just, oh, your thyroid is overactive. So I really wanted to get to the bottom of the root cause. If there is one, and it sounds like there is more that's going on from what she told me and how the adrenals are connected. She said the adrenals, the thyroid, and I could get this wrong. So sorry, guys, if you're an expert, and you know this. I think she said the adrenals, the thyroid and the ovaries are like the three best friends. And she's like, you got to keep all of those happy. That makes sense. I mean, those are like your three kind of as a female three, like main hormone produ- producers. Right. Basically meaning like if one is off, then a, right. lot, of, like, a lot more is off. Yeah. Those are the places your hormones come from. And so if yeah. one if one link breaks, and I think it's so right. interesting, like, you know, Brandon and I talk about this a lot with him working in the field that he works in with um, sure. prior to being a surgical nurse, he was working on a floor that basically was like an ICU stuff or cardiac step down unit. And so he would see people all the time who were in not like end stage, but definitely like progressive stages of various forms of basically, I don't want to say not taking care of themselves because that definitely feels like sort of victim blaming, but like, you know, people who had illnesses or problems or diseases or disorders or what have you, which in a perfect world would be preventable. And obviously, you know, there's more to it than just, you know, exercise and eat right like these are lifestyle things that a lot of people don't have access to and education and services a lot of people don't have access to but it we because of that because of his experience in that environment we talk a lot about how the modern medical system pretty much like turns off the fire alarm but doesn't put out the fire 100% and you as the patient have to advocate for yourself to figure out okay no 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 I don't just want the fire alarm turned off I want to figure out where the fire is so I can put it out so that I can and you know that unfortunately is something that is not available to everyone because it's, it's not, not yeah. how our medical system is set up. It's not medically necessary. I mean, I Technically have to say speaking. that word all day long in right. my job. And so I completely understand like how insurance works and how things are medically necessary. And I think, especially for my insurance, I feel like they're getting, they've always been ahead of the curve as far as what they treat. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, we do have like a complementary medicine plan that we can use for like chiropractor and acupuncture and massage and that type of stuff. But I feel like just going through this, I certainly don't, I I mean, I work for insurance and a healthcare healthcare provider. So it's not like I'm poo-pooing the Western medicine. I think it's amazing and Mm -hmm. it certainly has its place. But for me, my instinct immediately, my instinct immediately was like, what more could be going on here? And I know my body well enough that I really, really deep in my bones did not want to just pop pills for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I mean, I'm even talking to her and this certainly is not like my main focus. 
but there's like a lot of things that I've just, you know how like, it's so funny how we treat ourselves, but like, I'm just going to talk about this because you've talked about this before too, but like triple whammies. Thyroid, because she asks me in like the intake because these things are very important. So she has a very thorough intake of like, tell me all the things that are going on with you and what your goals are and what your priorities or priorities are. And I think I said that last time was like, I just want to work out when I'm 80. But like, as mm-hmm. I'm going through this checklist and going through, you know, the intake forms, it's like, oh, my libido fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I still kind of think about like my mood and irritability and oh, like this thyroid thing is going on and maybe I kind of want to think about potentially. If you really sit down and think through like the entire list, you're like, wow, there are a lot of things out of whack that I don't connect the dots on. And I was like, oh, this is just age. Totally. Like, oh, you just lose your libido when you're older. Like, I don't want to be Suzanne Summers popping like a whole table full of pills because she's like, you know, whatever. But if anybody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about, I'm just it's like, fine. for that. You, you don't have to, you don't have to take pills to prove us how old you are. You just made it a Summers and Summers. Right. <laughs> we are. <already know. laughs> Suzanne Summers. Suzanne Sanders. You're not even. Oh Sum- my God. Yeah. So well, Summer like, Sanders, she was a swimmer, wasn't she? Summer Sanders. I don't Doesn't know. matter. Go on. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's figure that out. <laughs> But like she, I said, oh, this must, must just be age. And she said, I hate when people say that age is not a reason to have your health decline like this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I see plenty of 80 year olds in my office who are bouncing around and stronger than I am. And I was like, yes, I'm going to be one of those. Mm-hmm. But that was a really good point of how we so much are like, well, I'm in my forties. This must be happening. And, and that was just really an eye opener for me because I'm like, yeah, my libido just freaking sucks. And it's been like that. And I've just completely ignored it. Been like, well, this is just what happens. And then the same thing with like the medications I'm on for like anxiety and depression. I'm like, is that something that's causing all of these things? Like I start to just kind of do an inventory of my life. The birth control I was on, you know, in my twenties and thirties, even now the I'm, I have a marina. And so I'm like, is that causing anything? So all these things, I just start to kind of evaluate and how I've ignored some symptoms like more minor symptoms, but things I just chalked up to age Mm -hmm. that now I'm like, I'm really, really glad that I have like this new perspective on my body and my health. I think that it is really common for people, no matter like in any phase of life to just sort of say like, oh, you know, we normalize all of these things. Like I talk about this a lot with my friends who are new moms, like all the stuff that we normalize in postpartum that really is not, you know, that like the difference between it's common, but not normal. Yeah. And the things that we, and especially I think as women really just think, oh, you know, my mom went through this and my older sister went through this and my friends are going through this. Like we all just have to sort of suck it up and go through it. Right. And it's like, no, that's not the case. You know, there's tools out there. We should speak up. And yeah, once you kind of start unraveling the sweater, you realize all these things are connected. And if you can get one of those pieces to fall back into place, it could have a positive impact on your entire life. And it could have, you know, you could if you can get this one like random hormone thing that might be a little bit out of whack. And, you know, obviously Graves disease is much more than a little bit out of whack. But like, oh, yeah, you're somebody who has like, yeah, yeah, one little thing. You might not think anything of it. But then once that gets tapped back into place, suddenly your sleep gets better, which causes your anxiety to go down, which causes your focus to go up, which causes your confidence to be better, which causes your, you know, next thing you know. And I think it's like that frog in the pot of boiling water analogy where it's like all of a sudden you realize like, wow, there are so many of just these little things that are not optimal that I've just don't want to be the, the, I don't want to be like a whiner and you know, but yeah, it's yeah. And I think it's very important. I think just 
the thing that I want to be careful of just talking about this on the podcast too, is I don't want people to all of a sudden become hypochondriacs and feel mm-hmm. like they're like, oh my gosh, what? <laughs> so don't, you know your body well. So I just want to say to the listeners of I'm really not trying to make you paranoid about maybe the little things that you're dealing with. But I'm also saying to just not ignore it or not blame maybe what you're going through on age or this is just female hormones. Like maybe it's not. And the other thing that's just difficult and something I think about a lot right now is like, I have the savings to pay for a naturopath. And I know that's not mm-hmm. an accessible thing that you can just go see. It's expensive. It's not something that I probably would even be able to do 10 years ago because of the cost. And, you know, I, I'm going to try to see if some of it could be paid for by insurance. But if it's not like that is just a luxury and a privilege that I realize is something I can do right now. But if you are worried about something that you may be going through, you know, maybe even just look at there's so many naturopaths like Dr. Lowe on on the podcast world. I think it's called the Dr. Lowe radio show. Mm-hmm. She's a naturopathic doctor, like listen to her podcast and like maybe get some t- tips and tricks for your own body. Um, she's been super helpful for me. I mean, she again, she was like doing blog talk radio in 2008. So she's been around for a long time. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of give that out too, because I realize this is not something that's like, oh, I'm just going to go see a naturopath. Like it's really not a, an easy thing for us to access. Right. And I mean, we also even just geographically live somewhere in like the center of naturopathic medicine, totally. like living in the Boulder, Denver area, you know, you walk down the street and there's 10 naturopathic doctors, but that's definitely not the case in most parts right. of America. Right, right. Well, but I just wanted to give a shout out to the, the doctor that I'm seeing is Dr. Kayla Cook. She's with Clear Creek Natural Medicine. If you wanted to, you know, check her out or if anybody wanted to even see if she'll do like video visits because I know a lot of the stuff that she's doing right now really just is based on your blood work and doing mm-hmm. intake forms so maybe in the COVID times if you can't you know get to Arvada which is where she's located but we'll see I'll keep everybody posted on you know how I'm doing but I'm glad that you brought that up too Claire with like you know what is an example again of like what you normalized like maybe postpartum depression like this is just what yeah I- well I think like you know the the like quintessential postpartum example is peeing when you jump or peeing when you run after you give birth right that people are like oh yeah like this is just what you do now like no you know that's a symptom of pelvic floor disorder you know pelvic floor dysfunction and which is a larger symptom of a dysfunction within your entire core and you know it might be something yeah you can live with it it's not going to cause you to you know a debilitating I mean it it might in the most extreme versions but like most people just normalize that so much it's like oh yeah you know now I have to wear my special pants when I do double under workouts or you know now I have to like wear my black make sure I I wear my black leggings I can't wear my gray leggings on double under days or whatever like and everyone just kind of laughs about that or like you know it's like well you know there's a difference between kind of like normalizing it so people don't feel bad about it versus normalizing it to make you think that it's just that's your new life now and you have to right. just accept right. it. This is just how. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point of like, you don't have to accept these things. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah. just don't. And that's kind of what I came down to. It's like, I'm just not willing to accept it because I know where this is going. Like mm-hmm. I saw the writing on the wall when I got this diagnosis. I'm like, oh, this is really just something that is treated with medication, like conventional, the Western medicine approach. And I just, I just knew that that was not what I wanted to do. So, hey, I could be six months from now. Like, I I hope this is kind of a little bit of like a, what's it called? Time capsule. Um, A a time capsule of me listening back six months from now and being like, wow, I'm so glad I stuck with it. Or I could be like, you know, six months from now. Like, wow, Joy, you're being so naive. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. And well, I and I think could. it's not all or nothing. And, you know, like you've been saying, like you wouldn't even have this diagnosis if it weren't for Western medicine. And totally, you know, you wouldn't have been able to get a, an iodine scan, radioactive iodine scan if it weren't for that. And so it's not all or nothing. And I think it's just, you know, it's great that you have the access and resources to be able to attack it from multiple angles. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So yeah, we'll keep talking about that. We will. We sure will. And I'd love to thank you to everyone who's just been sharing again. It's so helpful to hear from everyone else's experiences and kind of what you're going through because, you know, hyperthyroidism, again, from what I'm reading, there's not a lot out there. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's kind of no man's land. I, I do a lot of Googling and I try not to read things that scare the crap out of me, but there's also not a lot out there. So I am, I'm not feeling great. Like I, like right before we recorded and I'm on my two weeks of you know, time off from work mm-hmm. right before we recorded. I was, I just took like a two hour nap. Like <laughs> I'm just exhausted all the time, even though I feel like I'm on speed all the time. So it's just like this push pull of your body trying to figure things out. So trust yourself guys, listen to your body, but also don't go crazy worrying about it. Don't let it keep you up at night. So when you guys will be listening to this, it will be Thanksgiving, but more importantly, my birthday. Claire's birthday. Happy 33rd birthday to me. 33. Party so time. Exciting. Uh, great, I feel like I'm great. in this age range now where you don't ever quite exactly know how old you are. I'm like, I think I'm, yep. am I already 33? Am I, yep. hold on, carry the one. You know, I don't know if I that ever comes back, but to like really carrying exactly how old you are also most of my friends are older than me like you know you and Jess are two of my closest friends and you're both 10 and 11 years older than me so Mm -hmm. I just I don't know it's not like I'm like I don't identify with other people my age but I just don't I don't know I (laughs) I just don't think about my 33 year old I know he's lame 33 year old um (laughs) I did see something funny that was like sometimes I still feel like I'm in my 20s and then I hang out with people in their 20s and I'm like nope never mind (laughs) (laughs) I think also just because I started like having kids and everything a little like even just a couple years earlier, earlier, just two or three years earlier than most of my friends in my that are my same age, it makes me feel a lot older than them because, you know, I just kind of got kicked off just earlier enough to make it feel significant. (laughs) So anyway, 33 years old. And for my birthday, I am going to bake everyone I pie. That's the coolest thing for your birthday. And I actually have a friend who growing up her mom on their birthday, her mom made them like not made them, but kind of coached them them. to give, encourage them to give a birthday present on their birthday to someone else. So it's like giving presents on your birthday. Yeah. So I literally does that. It's really cute. You guys are probably laughing, but that's literally my plan. I am going, I have like five or six friends in the, who are my, in my local area who I'm going to bake a pie for and take it to them. And that's my birthday present that I asked for. Brandon was like, what do you want to do for your birthday? I was like, I don't know. Like it's a pandemic. I can't really, you know, it doesn't feel responsible to ask people to get together even outdoors. Like right now it just seems like cases are so high. I wouldn't want to do that. And so I was like, I know what I want to do. I want to bake pie all day. Like I love cooking and baking so much. It just gives me a project. And it's like that perfect amount of concentration where it doesn't burn you out, but it like distracts you enough that you can really focus. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. And we are doing Thanksgiving on Wednesday instead of Thursday. I mean, we're not having anybody over or anything, but we're not having a bunch of people over. But that just kind of is how our schedule worked out. And so all day Thursday, I will be eating leftovers and baking. And then on Friday, I will be delivering pies to my friends from the book on pie. Okay. Which I'm still obsessed with. And I need Keep to be talking like, about the book on pie. Cause everybody's hashtag like pie really, influencer. Yeah. Pie influencer. I, yes, it's a new influencer category that I just created for myself. And I think that I'm really excited about it. Guys, this, this book is like changing my life. Yeah. Lockdown pie dough is the new sourdough. Oh, I love it. Pandemic pie dough, we can call it. Pandemic Pandemic pastry, pandemic pastry. What do you love about it? It's so gratifying 
Because the thing about sourdough, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I still love sourdough. I have a loaf, two loaves going right now. But I think that there's not that much hands-on time with sourdough, which is one thing that's oh, really great yeah. about it. But like you kind of just like, you know, you get it set up and then it just has to prove forever. Got with it. the pie, it's so much more hands-on and it just feels like like it's just so much more like you're in it the whole time and you're making the crust and you're chilling the right. crust and then you're par baking and then you're making the filling and then you're doing the thing and then you're going in the oh. oven and then you're doing the topping. There's so many more steps. Which so I, many more steps. It's yeah. so fun. And you can get so you can get a lot more creative with it. Like with sourdough bread, the beauty of it is that there's this very narrow window for success. Right. And so any creativity. I remember you saying that like, yeah. Yeah. And so go, go wrong. It's kind of fun because that what that means is that if you want to get creative with it, it's sort of this science experiment of like, how far can I push it before it doesn't work? Mm-hmm. And so that can be really fun. Like if you're trying to like add different things into your dough or, you know, do mix-ins or whatever, try different methods. But it also means that like there's only so far you can take it and like there's only so creative you can get. Right. But with pie, the sky's the limit. Like world. Yeah. The world is your oyster. Yeah. And, you know, once you have like a good pie dough base crust that you nail, like you can fill it with anything you want. Oh, Endless possibilities. Endless yeah. possibilities. And that's, and it, yeah, this, this book has really, I feel like it's landed in my life at the right time for me to like yeah, really embrace really pie making. How did you find her again? Like, how did you find this book? Um, in, The Instagram algorithm brought me to Brought it book. to you. <laughs> wow. Thanks, algorithm. Really, it only gives me like still random people doing TikTok dances. Yeah, but, no. Yeah. My, well, I scroll a lot. And oh, you do? Because I have to curate my memes. Oh, oh, yeah, you do. You sure do. Yeah. Do you just do that on the Instagram search? Yeah, just on Discover. Yeah, so you, okay. Mm-hmm. So at this point, my almost my entire Discover tab is like memes and baking. And I'm like, the, Great. the, the internet That's knows perfect. me so well and I'm not even mad. Yeah. It's like yeah. people who I are like just... afraid that the vaccine is going to microchip you. And I'm like, the, the, the internet knows everything about me already. Like... Like, why the, a microchip is the last is the least oh, yeah. of my worries and like not yeah. to mention i carry a cell phone everywhere i go like you have an apple watch on like we're all oh, bit practically microchipped it's so funny anyway. about that because and people are like oh my gosh the internet knows everything about you i'm like have you been alive for the past like, 10 years yeah and you told happening? it <laughs> like the jig is up like yeah. we're <laughs> it knows everything about you and you told it that information <laughs> It didn't sneak into your house. There was no CrossFit van. The robots are listening and yeah, it's fine. Hello, robots. Hello. We've invited you into our home. <laughs> we really have. Um, so anyway. Okay. So you found it on the algorithm. I found it on the algorithms. bought the book. Yes. And I've just been really loving it. And I would just, again, really, the book on pie, it's called, I would really, really recommend it. It's not, it just came out like less than a month ago. I actually had pre-ordered it. And order it from your indie bookstore. Yeah. Order it from an indie, indie bookstore. And, and is it for like all level bakers? Do you have to be like pretty advanced? Like pies are not like too tech. No, difficult. you know, I would say it is for any level because she goes into so much description about, I mean, I'm an experienced baker definitely, mm-hmm. but I'm not an experienced pie baker necessarily. And so I wouldn't, the only reason that I would say is that it might be for someone a little bit more experienced is because in my mind, like if you have never baked before in your life, you might not really be grabbed. Like this book is for somebody who sure. wants to really like immerse themselves in like yeah, they want to like geek out about pie and be like, yeah. okay, how can I experiment with this and try this and do different things? Because it really is more about the process of making it. And I mean, don't okay. get me wrong, there's like a million 
amazing recipes, but it's more about the yeah, process. I was, yeah. I was going to ask you like what your favorite recipes are. What have you made so far besides the ones you talked about last week? Like what have you made since then? Because I know you've been I, baking up a store. I know. I made a coconut cream pie. That's the only Ugh. one I've made so far, but I've been preparing. Oh, okay. So I made a lemon. a lot of baking. Yes. Yeah. I made a lemon curd that I'm finishing tonight that is going to, so for Thanksgiving, I'm making a salted caramel apple pie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> a, a pumpkin pie, which pumpkin pie is my favorite, guys. I love it. Yeah. I do love pumpkin pie. And I learned how to, my grandma, the one who passed away in May, taught me how to yeah. make pumpkin pie. And it's like, that's just like such a good memory for me. And I'm actually, oh, love this it. will be yeah. the first time that I've made pumpkin pie since she passed away. And I'm fully preparing to just cry the whole time. Oh, love. It was so cute. Yeah. She gave me, yeah. she gave me, I got, you know, received after right, she passed right. her, all, all of her baking stuff. And one of the things that she had was this big jar full of pie weights. And so when you blind bake or par bake a crust, you're supposed to poke it with little fork holes to let the steam out because you want yeah. a little bit, but you don't want it to like puff up all the way. Right. And I, the first time that I made the crust, my very, very first like attempt, I forgot to poke the holes and I looked in the oven and I was like, ah, crap. Like I immediately knew what had happened because it puffed all the way up. And I was like, well, it looks great, but right. <laughs> like it's not. Right. So I had to start over. So the next day I was making some crust again and I took out the pie weights, which I hadn't used the first time. The first time I just used raw beans. And so I took out the pie weights and it, right? Stick sitting in the top of the jar. The pie weights is a little handwritten note that said, don't forget to poke holes in the crust. And I was like, it was just felt like this like really cute moment. I was like, thank you for reminding me. Like it felt like this little like guardian. Yeah. yeah, Like Nana was like my little guardian angel. And it also felt very validating to know that she also must've forgotten to do this so much that she put (laughs) a reminder for herself that she would see right at the crucial moment. That is so cute. Right. As she's like getting ready to add the pie weights and be like, did you poke the holes? Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. It's been definitely emotional to use like all her baking stuff, but it's also, it's been, you know, it's been nice. But I think that's also kind of why I'm like motivated by it because yeah, I feel it I feels like a very traditional stuff. Yeah, it feels like a really good connection to that. So mm-hmm. and to her. So yeah, I'll be making caramel, sorry, salted caramel apple pie, pumpkin pie, pumpkin and pie. lemon custard Cur- pie, which my Maxine, our au pair, likes citrus pies. So I'm making that for her. And then the next day for my friends, you're getting, what did we decided? Uh, um, chocolate something with cherries chocolate it was either it was chocolate black forest or chocolate raspberry we'll see we'll see um if i can if i can find raspberries or cherries for cheaper i'm making a black bottom pecan pie which is basically just pecan pie with chocolate ganache on the bottom i'm gonna make a chess pie which is just like a really simple kind of custard pie and then i'm making another caramel salted caramel apple pie for jess and I'm going to make a key lime pie. And then I'm going to make my mom a German chocolate cake pie. Oh, my God. All these recipes are from this book, you guys. You got to get it. Okay. So my unofficial non-sponsorship of this book. <laughs> so great. So great. Yeah. This whole episode has been sponsored by naturopaths and pies. <laughs> yes. The two most important things. Right. Right. <sighs> oh, God. I was like, Claire was like, which which pie do you want? And I'm like, any chocolate. The only thing I crave right now is chocolate and ice cream. It's probably not great for me right now, but it's all I crave. You know? like chocolate and ice cream. You got to just take what you can the get. The body knows, man. The body knows. The body knows what it wants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So we got some uh, pretty good stories for Thanksgiving blunders. Yes. We asked you guys for your Thanksgiving fail stories. You, we got some good ones. Have, do you have a Thanksgiving fail story? No, not really. I mean, the thing that I think about with Thanksgiving is we always hosted Thanksgiving. Mm. And I 
always had so many. This is where, hey guys, listen, this is where I get hiding in the bathroom. This is where I get it. Because my entire life, we hosted Thanksgiving. My mom's side of the family is pretty big. I have a lot of uncles, a lot of cousins. So they would all come over to our house. We had so many people in our house, huge Thanksgiving dinners, huge celebrations with the family. And I would always have to go hide in my bedroom to like shut off because it was so much family time. And I always remember that being like, we're hosting again. Like that's just so much drain on me. Looking back, I'm like, that's what it was. I was just like so full of hanging out with my whole family family. But yeah, I wouldn't say we had any like disasters, really. My mom's a really good cook. Like everyone, all the, all of my family would always like bring great dishes, but I don't think there was like any time even, Hey, I got to give myself a shout out. Like even one year I made Thanksgiving dinner when it was just, I can't remember. I think my mom was um, taking care of my grandmother. And so it was just my dad, Scott and I, and I made them Thanksgiving dinner and it turned out great. So I just want to pat myself on the back that I actually made a Thanksgiving dinner once in my life. So what are you are you going to cook anything this year? No, we're going to, just so everyone knows, like we're doing this safely is we're, we're going to stay at my parents' house for a couple days. My mom has already like got all the, we didn't know we were doing this until recently just because we didn't want to bank on anything with COVID. So my mom has like most of everything already. We're probably going to just bring like some side dishes and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I don't think we're going to like go all out. Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, like, Ooh, pie sounds so good. Do you like bring over there? <laughs> But the cute thing is like, I know everybody has like some, like, I know we've talked about this before where you have like some family recipe Mm -hmm. um, where you're like, oh, this is something that we've had through the years and you make it every single year. My mom always has to make this cranberry jello mix. I know I've talked about it before. You have. Cranberry jello mix. That your dad guards. My dad hoards it. He (laughs) guards it. He rations it out because he loves the stuff. And I don't, I mean, it's good. It's like jello cranberry, but it's like actual cranberries that you grind up yourself. Yeah. I remember so vividly my mom grinding the cranberries (laughs) to put in this stupid jello freaking side dish. (laughs) And it's because that's what my grandma did is she ground the cranberries by hand. It's so funny. Anyway. Okay. Good stuff. Thanksgiving traditions. Did you ever have a Thanksgiving fail? No. I mean, I've never made the whole turkey. One year, my mom and I entered a pie contest, a pie baking contest at like this local coffee shop in, in Lyons. Oh, and we went third place. How but, cute. Um, we made a pie, a pumpkin, a chai pumpkin pie with ginger meringue. Oh. And my mom, well, I was in charge of the filling and my mom was in charge of the crust, but she messed up the crust. So she's just scooped the filling out and put it into a new crust and then covered it with meringue and, get, and we got third place. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> like it already been so. Oh my God. What a success story. My most memorable Thanksgiving though was my 21st birthday. I was in Prague for my, oh. for, so I never studied abroad, but all my friends did. And so yeah. for my 21st birthday, I took a trip and went to Prague and like all my friends who were studying abroad that semester, we all just met in Prague. And it was so fun. But of course, like that's there's no Thanksgiving in Prague. And we happened to stumble upon this bookstore that happened to be owned by an American. And it turned out that he had gone to Colorado State. So he like not Uh just an American, but like from Colorado. And here I was with all my friends like who were all from Colorado. And he was like, well, and this was on Thanksgiving Day. And he was like, well, are you guys coming back later tonight? We're like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, yeah, I host this huge like expat Thanksgiving. So we all show up. He it, he like made this whole meal. He had this big screen where we all watched like the football game that he was, you know, like illegally bootlegging. Oh. 
And it was yeah. just so fun because it was like, that's so cool. We were, you know, in this other country, but like feeling very homesick because of the yeah. holiday. And it was really, really cool. Yeah. I kind of have a story. Like when I lived in France, I was there for Thanksgiving too. And I met such, I always like think about <laughs> these friends that I met in France when I lived in Lille and I like can't find them on Facebook and I like want to find them so bad. It's like these people in your life that you met before Facebook was a thing, like way before totally, Facebook was yes. a thing. And I'm always like, oh, I wish I could find them because I remember spending some time with them and we'd always like do these great dinners and we like hung out on Thanksgiving and had this like great dinner together. <sighs> Good memories. And then Scott and I were talking about this the other day. We spent Thanksgiving in Hawaii like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember the day after Thanksgiving, we like just sat on our deck that like faced the ocean oh. and we did all of our like Black Friday shopping on the <laughs> And I just remember being like, this is so funny, but okay. So let's get to some of our listener stories. Yes. Okay. Let's start with the one from Kristen and I'm going to post the photo that goes with the story in our Instagram (laughs) stories today because it's hysterical. Yeah, it's great. Okay. This is from Kristen. Hi, Joy and Claire. This is Kristen. And I just got done listening to this week's episode I wanted to answer the question about Thanksgiving horror stories. I feel like this is very National Lampoons-esque. But five years ago, we went to my husband's Nana's cabin that's on a lake, kind of in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. And before the meal could even be served or finished cooking, the one and only toilet in the cabin was overflowing with lots of stuff. And... um. <laughs> Uh, lo and behold, it was actually a septic tank issue, and we ended up having to have plumbers come out and s- dig up the front yard. But the plumber that came out, because it was Thanksgiving, was this, like, teenage boy that was probably, <laughs> like, a family member of the plumber and just had no idea what to do. So my husband's uncle and my husband and my sister-in-law's new husband all basically dug up the whole front yard, discovered that there was a huge root system growing through the septic tank lines and it was a huge fiasco and we all had nowhere to go to the bathroom all day and we just drank a lot of bourbon and made the best of it and it was actually one of the best Thanksgivings ever. It was our last Thanksgiving with my husband's Nana who we loved so much um, and it was very memorable and I'm sending you some pictures so you can get the full idea of what happened that day. Love you guys. Keep doing everything that you're doing. You're amazing. Thank you. You're amazing. That That's is such a so great funny. story. Oh my goodness. Like I can just imagine having to pee in the woods behind your husband's grandma's house because you drank too much <laughs> bourbon and the septic tank was being dug up. I just can't wait for you to share the photo of the plumber truck. I know. But, like, I laughed out loud when I first opened it. <laughs> It really rounds the story out so well. It's so classy. It really does. It's so great. And then all the photos that they took. And the Nana is so cute. It's so so cute. She was so cute. Oh, my God. God. I just like, that's a good Nana. Okay. This one is from Lindsay. Joy and Claire. I'm so glad y'all asked about funny Thanksgiving stories. I have a few. One year, my family decided to run a 5K. And I've run a few marathons, so in my mind, I'm like, anybody can run or walk a 5K. Like, it'll be great. So, first of all, my sister, who is probably in good shape because she's young, but just a huge baby, 
walks at a snail pace the whole time we were waiting for her i swear it took her like two hours to finish everybody was just like where is she finally she crosses the finish line my other sister sprains her ankle and is hobbling across the finish line really mad my mom who's actually in good shape and had kind of trained for it ran really hard and when she came to the finish line she peed her pants and was so embarrassed that she sat on the curb and started bawling because she was just really embarrassed even though none of us even really knew what happened meanwhile a part of my family decided there's no way i'm running a 5k we're just gonna bring some drinks and sit at the finish line so my stepdad and both of my aunts are at the finish line completely drunk and it was just a complete you know what um, so we joke about it every year our family is incapable of running the turkey trot and we just stay home and eat food the other story i have is that one year my dad got a new smoker had never tried it ever before and decided to smoke a turkey needless to say it was burnt on the outside and completely raw on the inside oh, so we no. ended up doing takeout that year again thank you for asking fun questions and keep it up that's so i good. love that oh my gosh that's I hysterical I love this story about the family. <laughs> she starts out. My younger sister is a baby and walked across the whole thing. <laughs> she's like, she's in good shape, but she decided to walk the oh whole thing. Oh my gosh. That's and I could just so see them being like, funny. where is she? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then her mom pees her pants. Oh my and then goodness. her sister sprays her ankle. ankle. Like, you couldn't. Oh, oh my no. god yeah little did you know just like a 30 minute race was gonna be <laughs> i want to be a part of that family it's gonna take part your entire family <laughs> oh that's so good all right let's do one more. okay this is from aaron hi joy and claire this is aaron uh, i am leaving you a voice memo because you asked for some hilarious thanksgiving fails um i'm originally from philadelphia i live on the marine corps base in 29 palms california which is right by joshua tree national park so it's super dry uh, we rarely get rain and last year was my first year hosting i was so excited my brother and his girlfriend had flown out it was going to be the best time um, well, we never got rain, but last Thanksgiving it was raining and by raining, I mean drizzling with a little bit of wind. I am always ahead of schedule. So I put my turkey in at like nine 30. I took it out at 1230. It was still raining and we lost power from 1245 in the afternoon until eight fifteen that night because of the rain and the tiny bit of wind. It was insane. I had only cooked half my sides. Luckily, my turkey was out, but we have pictures of us carving the turkey with headlamps on and all these flashlights that we have for my parents that are obsessed with REI. <laughs> so it was just funny. It's just funny memory now. But at the time, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my first Thanksgiving and it is such a bust. <laughs> well, I hope you guys are staying safe and healthy and doing everything you can to enjoy your holidays this year. And thanks so much for your podcast. Bye. Oh my god! Oh my Can gosh, that is a nightmare. It would be so stressful. I love how everyone in California thinks that rain and wind is like <laughs> it's like gonna just take you down. Yeah. I think like those, that's one of those times when it's like, there's literally nothing you can do. And so no one else is like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? But you feel oh that God. way. Totally. Oh my goodness. That's All so right, guys. Good. Well, Thank we got you. a that lot more great. than that. And I'm sorry we didn't have more time to go into them today. But we hope that you guys are not having any Thanksgiving fails right now. No. We hope you're enjoying small, lovely. responsible, lovely, Safe. thoughtful yes. Thanksgiving traditions. And so next week, it will be December, believe it or not. Holy moly. And I feel like, you know, starting in December, we always sort of start reflecting on the year. 
And there's yeah. a lot to reflect on this year. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. Oh, I was thinking about that yeah. today. I was like, there's a lot. <laughs> so we have a lot to unpack. But so for next week's question, what I would really like to know is so far this year, what's one thing that you're going to look back on and really have enjoyed? Let's start there because there's a lot yeah. to unpack for this year. So just like one thing when you think of the, about this past year, and you know, I know that people listening have a wide variety of experiences from my life didn't really change that much to I went through tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Right. Is there a moment that you look back on and think, you know what, that still was really fun or that still was really great or right. that was a silver lining? You know, I, I'm like, I hate silver lining thinking because I feel like it often really like invalidates. Yeah, yeah, and it feels dismissive. But let's just do that for one episode. Give us your let's silver lining. And it can be something silly. It can be something serious, whatever the case may be. So we'd love to hear from you. Send us a voice memo to thisisjoyandclaire at gmail.com. We will play some of them on the podcast next week. So we hope you guys are having a great Thanksgiving. Go eat some pie. I'm going to go eat a lot of pie. pie. So much pie. The amount of food I'm making for the amount of people who will be eating is going to be really extensive. You're going to have so many leftovers and that's the best. And then I want everyone to watch the Moist Maker episode on Friends when, when Monica makes the best leftover turkey sandwich and someone eats it and Ross has a conniption. So great. <laughs> oh, Friends is like the best for Thanksgiving. It is. They, they have, the have best some Thanksgiving, great Thanksgiving episodes. episodes. So wonderful. Okay, guys. Love you lots. Thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. See you next week. Bye.